1: Hey, it's Cavino and Rich. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast reshipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Michelin Cross Climate Two. But did you know
2: they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive.
1: Go to TireRack.com sports. That's
0: TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
3: Winner, winner, chicken it down!
0: This is straight out of Vegas.
3: Straight out of Vegas!
0: With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie
3: Fratto. You know, Nietzsche says, Out of chaos comes order. Okay? And as I said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented, and you can script everything but the outcome. And seemingly that is more prevalent now than ever. And on that note, I'm Bernie Frado, we're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight we'll focus on the NBA finals as it's it's getting down to the short strokes. So we've got some in-depth analysis and reviews and what you need to know from here on out heading into Game 5. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by NBA guru Mark Medina. He's joining us from the side of the NBA Finals right in the belly of the beast. He'll take us behind the curtain, and we'll chop up some other pertinent issues as well. I've got some thoughts on Darvin Ham's press conference and among other NBA issues. Along the way, we'll have some Vegas stuff, as uh, as it's interesting how... The uh, Browns betting market has reacted to the Deshaun Watson hijinks and other stuff like that. That you will you will enjoy. You know the Vegas stuff we do, uh, giving you some numbers and the significant live movement, and we we'll give you the four one one so you can see what the pros think too. By the way, on some key college football games, it's not too early to start thinking about that. We're just a few weeks away from ground zero. Sports are entertainment; they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them, so you know you've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in George Roy Hill, Minnesota, Google it. He's a pretty famous guy. If you like movies, it's going to be lit. By the way, in about an hour, I'm going to have some significant commentary on the LIV golf tour. You know, here's what's interesting. Here's the hook. And the PGA you got to sing for your supper. Not so much in the LIV. We'll break it down, to everything you wanted to know and maybe a few things you didn't care about. So, we could go. There would only been one game played so far in the NBA Finals. Boston won convincingly, and, of course, everybody overreacts. That's what they always do. They overreacted after Game 2, 3, and 4. I'm going to give kind of a chronological look. But as I told Arnie and Jason Martin last Sunday, uh, Saturday night, that the only bet I'd placed at that time was that this series would go seven, and I got it at plus 175. You tell me now if you think that's a good bet, because I don't think either one of these teams will win the next two in a row. So there you have it. But let's talk about what I think has been the recurring theme here. You know, there's an old story. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, when Magic Johnson, he'd already been to nine out of 12 NBA finals, and Michael Jordan was establishing himself as the next guy to hand the torch, There was an argument as to whether or not if Jordan were to play Magic one-on-one, who would win that contest? And it got around to Chick Hearn, legendary longtime play-by-play announcer of the L.A. Lakers, and Chick Hearn's response was simple. He says, don't bother me with dumb questions. Basketball is a team sport. And see, to me, that's the recurring theme of these playoffs. With each of these teams, either the Celtics or the Warriors have functioned as a whole greater than the sum of their parts they win that night so the beauty of a weekend show like this even though it's one day a week I get to you know review what took place heading up to tonight and preview what's ahead so I want to give you a quick chronology as to what got us to this point so let's go back to the blow-by-blow following game two right Game two, the Warriors are coming off a loss, but there were no fourth-quarter shenanigans for the Warriors to worry about on Sunday night. Remember, game one, Boston had, there was raining threes, and Draymond dismissed it. The Warriors performed their third-quarter routine on uh, during game two last week, and they beat Boston by 19, 107-88. The Celtics, this time they did not squander a big lead, neither did Golden State. I guess you should expect this kind of response from the three time champs getting up off the mat. So there you have it. The series was tied 1 1 after a gritty game Sunday. And at that point, even the pundits are starting to say, this looks like this might be destined for a longer series. By the way, a couple pivot points. In game two, Jordan Poole did what he was supposed to do. Not so much since, but that night he did. Okay, he's a young dude, he's a key backcourt player, but he struggles on defense. And he didn't have the offense to balance in every night. But last Sunday, 17 points, 5-9 from behind the arc. And he balanced out a 4-19 night from Clay Thompson. There's your team effort, picking each other up. By the way, Boston's role players, this happens sometimes on the road, they crash back down to earth. Horford, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, they combined for just 10 points. Derek White had 12, but he was minus 12, plus minus on the night. The Celtics, okay, this was the narrative heading into Game 3. They cannot win this series Relying on Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown alone. That was the narrative heading into game three And the other narrative was the Celtics must have been happy with the split in San Francisco Because they literally gave game two to the Warriors by allowing 33 points on 19 turnovers hold that thought that's gonna be a theme Something to monitor heading into game three the rest of the way Boston was the best team in the NBA over the last six months every time they'd lost in the postseason it was their own fault turnovers galore in Friday's win, uh, game one win, they absorbed the Warriors' best haymaker. Still won. Sunday, they look lost. Okay, disastrous third quarter. So the question heading into game three, which Boston team would show up? Already had been established. The NBA Finals had become a bizarre watch. Because for long stretches, the Celtics looked like the Jordan era Bulls. They bulldozed teams. They hammered an excellent Warriors team. shot by shot, shot by shot. Rebound by rebound. Then, in a flash, they go on a walkabout. So it looks like they forget how to play basketball. However, in game three, the Celtics win by 16, 116 to 100, and it featured all of the above. Boston outpaced Golden State through the first half, predictably, predictably lost their grip on the third. That's Golden State, best third quarter team in basketball, but then reclaimed the win in the fourth. Again, the threesome Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, they all had at least 24 points. Golden State had almost no help for Steph Curry in Game 3. He had 31. Clay had 25, but the rest, not so much. Celtics win by 16. They go up two games to one. And then all of a sudden now, people said, wait a minute, the rest of this series could hinge on Curry's ankle, which he tweaked Wednesday night in the collision with Al Horford. And the Warriors, well, silently they admitted they could use a little boost from Draymond Green. Afterward, he said he played like, you know what? It's a four-letter word, but that's Straymon. You know, if we can just get him to come out of the shyness, it'd be just fine. So, if you just put these two in a vacuum, after Game Three, I don't think anybody would disagree that on paper it looks like the Celtics are the better team. They're deeper and better defensively. Who can who can deny that? The Warriors, frankly, are weak in the low post. They're weak inside. However, the games aren't played on paper. They're played on the hardwood. So then the question became. Boston's up 2-1. I've been saying it. For some reason, they don't they don't handle prosperity well. They were 7-0. Now they're 7-0 coming off a loss. So they took care of business in game three. The question would be which Boston team shows up for game four? And this is the most recent game. Meanwhile, by the way, not for nothing, it, game four meant that if the Warriors didn't answer in kind in Boston Garden, they would be heading home Monday night down three games. To one for what it's worth, however, Warriors had this going for them heading into the game Friday night. The Golden State Warriors had won at least one road playoff game in their last 26 series. And another factoid Golden State, not for nothing, they were also in these playoffs in 2022, 5 and 0 coming off a loss. And for those who thought Boston's athleticism was simply too much, here's my response. I know it's against a law to practice psychology without a license, but here's what I think I know. Alpha dogs always react the same after failure. But after success? See, there's no rhyme or reason. Everybody handles that differently. I told Arnie and Jason two weeks ago this series was going seven. For all the Celtics' greatness, for some reason, they can't stand prosperity. So, Friday night, giving Stephen Curry's 40, well, I think it was 43 points, by the way, that, by the way... I said that that too many times, by the way. By the way, that's Curry's 10th 30-plus point performance in the NBA Finals. For perspective, no other player in NBA history has more than two 30-plus point performances in the NBA Finals. Curry has now 10. And after being outscored cumulatively by 40 points in the fourth quarter in the first three games, the Warriors won the fourth quarter, 28-19, closed the deal Friday night, 107 Ninety-seven. And by the way, Stephen Curry, you may have read about it in all the papers. Some sports shows argue about this. It. He's never been a finals MVP in his career. He still has three games with at least 30 points in this series and is by far the leading scorer on either side with 137 points. You hear Jason Smith talking about this, that even if the Golden State Warriors lose, Curry should probably be the MVP. I, I think there's some merit to that. Okay, now... This uh, Friday night was the second most points he's ever scored in a finals game and the most points he scored in the entire 2022 postseason. By the way, it was also the 11th finals game when Steph Curry had at least six threes. Other than that, I think he delivered popcorn, delivered a baby, and did the halftime show. Here's the key stat, and it's the stat that continues to be the telltale, all be-all, end-all telltale for the Celtics in this entire postseason. The Celtics' finish was 16 turnovers. Easy for me to say. Try that again. The Celtics finished with 16 turnovers Friday night and gave up 19 points off of those turnovers. So that moves their playoff record this year to 1-6 when they turn the ball over at least 15 times. When it's 15 or fewer, the Celtics are 13-2. and two. More goes into this, obviously. It's not the only thing. But the Celtics were sloppy with the ball early in the game and often. And it allowed Golden State to avoid getting down big and keep up with Boston, you know, the Warriors kept up with Boston, blow for blow. Now, the Celtics quite possibly handed the ball to the Warriors with 10 of those coming off live ball turnovers. They've got to clean that up. But you knew this game was over the minute the Warriors went on that 17-3 run after Marcus Smart put them down four points on a three-pointer after an offensive rebound. This is a fun series to watch. I don't care what anybody says. The Celtics' only three points during this run by Golden State happened on an Al uh, Al Horford corner three-pointer to cut a six-point deficit down to three. But then the Warriors came back like heavyweight champs. Give them credit, love them or hate them. They responded with a loony bucket on a a nice assist from Draymond Green and then forced Jalen Brown into another turnover. With a five-point game, This was the spread at the time. Curry drove the hole, drew a foul on Horford. The Celtics challenged it and lost. Curry hits two free throws to push the lead to seven with 47.7 seconds left. Game, set, match. Now we head to game five. There will be some questions heading into game five. What kind of game are you going to get out of Klay Thompson? What kind of game are you going to get out of Draymond Green? Why do I ask? Because you've got to figure that Boston is going to be lying in wait for Steph Curry. No free catches in space. They're going to ride him like a stick horse. Clay Thompson, he hasn't been his usual self during the NBA Finals, but he's still a guy who I think can rise up at any given moment. How will he do? Draymond Green... I tip my cap to him. He handed himself very professionally after being taken out, came back, and uh, we'll see what he does. I think he's a hothead. I think there's a 50-50 shot he gets ejected game five. He's going to play crazy in front of the home crowd. He'll get at least one technical. And the truth of the matter is, I kind of sort of expect, I'm not predicting it, but it feels like, although these two teams have been trading wins all series long, you know, Boston comes into Chase Center and, Beats Golden State game one. The dubs come back and win game two. Boston wins game three. Then Golden State wins one on their floor. You get the picture. You wonder if the Warriors can break this pattern Monday night. It's going to be fun to watch. Coming up. Coming up. We go to our fan favorite here on straight out of Vegas. He's our NBA guru, Fox Sports Radio. He's at the belly of the beast up during up there uh, in San Francisco for the NBA finals. Of course, I'm talking about Mark Medina, so keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted so Don't go away. You're listening to Straight Outta Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Frado, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in
0: the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live hey it's me
2: rob parker check out my weekly mlb podcast inside the parker
0: Terms and conditions apply.
3: We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frato coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. At this time, let's welcome in a gentleman. Become a fan favorite on this show. He's at the belly of the beast up in San Francisco for the NBA Finals. Ready to go for Game 5. Say hello to our NBA guru, Mark Medina. Mark, how are you, buddy? Bernie, you know the answer. I'm always good when I'm chatting with you, my van. Appreciate you. Right back at you. Hey, right before I dive into the Finals, I want to little house cleaning i covered the 2004 pistons darvin him. i like darvin ham but uh you know if if i was a cynical person i would have listened to his press conference the other day and felt like a lot of his narrative is pre-programmed and formulaic formally i fortunately i'm not a cynical person but are we to believe that russell westbrook is really going to have a major role next year and see i don't fault darvin ham for his
5: rhetoric i think that you know he's doing what a head coach especially a new one is supposed to do of you know make the best of your circumstances um, so i think all this cynicism should be directed toward the front office and they should not be declaring definitively that russell westbrook would be on the team because they got to shop them hard they got to move the goalposts get role players be willing to Uh, part ways with that draft pick uh, in 2027 because the reality is this, Russell Westbrook isn't going to change his stripes this late in his career even if there's a new head coach and the second part is this is the only way that the Lakers can really upgrade their roster. They only have a $6 million trade exception the rest is on veteran minimum deals. They have some other young players like Talon Horton Tucker but I don't think that he'll get much value so dealing Russell Westbrook is really the only avenue they can do to improve the team. But as far as Darvin Ham, I think he's a great hire. Um, You know, I think he'll check all the boxes, but the reality is no matter if you're a good or a bad coach, um, you're mostly only as good as the the players you have. And in that case, uh, the Lakers need to trade Russ as soon as they can.
3: Uh, You covered a lot of great ground there, and I'm glad you made the distinction. It's just that I got this impression, Mark, that as, Darvin Hamm was waxing philosophical about Russell Westbrook in the way that you expect he would. Precisely that moment, the front office is working the phones figuring we gotta move this guy. So I I'm glad you made that uh, uh, distinction. Thank you. Uh, Quinn Snyder, what what really happened there in Utah?
5: Yeah, it's interesting. Um I believe uh part of the statement, I also don't believe part of the statement, so I'll break it down. Um I believe that the Utah Jazz's version, that this was Quinn Snyder's decision, it wasn't like he was being pushed out. I believe that that is to be accurate. Now, I don't quite buy Quinn's explanation that there weren't philosophical differences. Um, you know, clearly, if all things were good, he would continue to be coaching, right? Um, but I think that Quinn Snyder concluded that this is the best that the Jazz can do as far as their playoff potential. So, why? Continue to go down this uh, road of just running into a brick wall. And so I think Quinn decided, you know what? I'll get out ahead early. I'll recharge. I'll, you know, maybe do some consulting and and see the landscape the next year and then wait for better opportunities to open up. Um, so while I do think that there is credence to it, you know, I don't think there are any like philosophical. Key differences or clashes with the front office. You know, I also don't buy the idea that there weren't any issues at all, or else he would still be there.
3: Yeah, we think alike. Talking with Mark Medina, our NBA guru here on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, let's look ahead to Game Five of the NBA Finals. Couple thoughts on my mind. I'm looking squarely at Clay Thompson. I've got to believe Boston makes an extra effort to contain Stephen Curry which should mean Thompson will have plenty of shooting opportunities. What are you seeing heading into the game?
5: Yeah, I think that there's going to be plenty of shooting opportunities for him, for Jordan Poole, for Andrew Wiggins, because, man, that Steph Curry player, he is unbelievable. And I think that he posted the best performance ever in his NBA career, regular season or playoffs, with his 43-point effort in game four. So obviously the Celtics are going to just continue to throw the kitchen sink at him, and that requires uh, his supporting cast to be dependable in elevating him and complimenting him. And the reality is, whether it's a familiar guy like Clay Thompson or a young up-and-comer like Jordan Poole, the Warriors just haven't quite known what they're going to get. And in Clay's case, I think uh, unlike prior to his injuries, um, you could always count on him for being that ultimate sidekick as another splash brother. But um, with Clay this season, he's had moments of you know the old Clay Thompson, but it's been very hard for him to then carry that over into the next game. So even though he's shown some flashes the last two games, he's been able to make some key shots, that doesn't mean that that momentum is going to car- carry forward. Same thing with Jordan Poole for different reasons, just he's a young guy figuring out the roller coaster of the NBA Finals. So while the Warriors should feel good about themselves with tying the series, getting home court back, uh, nothing's guaranteed, particularly against this really resilient Celtics team that become used to having to bounce back from tough losses.
3: Uh, good good stuff, Mark. I agree with all that. We're talking with Mark Medina, our NBA guru here at Fox Sports Radio, is up San Francisco in the belly of the beast, the NBA finals. Let's talk about Draymond Green. I believe Draymond Green is going to leave it all on the floor in game five. Uh, why? I don't think he liked being benched. He handled it well. He knows the Warriors feed off his energy and tenacity. Here's the thing, Mark. That could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. I believe he get at least one technical. I believe he might do something stupid and get booted and that might fire up the Warriors. What do you expect out of Draymond Green Monday night?
5: Yeah, I think it's a good point. Um, well, what you said, that this could you know, work both ways. I think that, uh, if nothing else, Draymond's going to bring the kind of energy and effort that he tried to show in Game 2 because, let's just face it, I don't think his podcast uh, exercises after each game have been the issue, but the reality is Draymond has not played well for most of the series. I think you do make a great point that, I think that he's going to use that benching as, you know, a source for motivation. But I think in this finals, it's been very unpredictable how... Uh, much the officials give him rope um, and, and leeway, and so you know I think that while I th- while I do think that Draymond usually knows how to draw the line, um, sometimes he he also crosses it and he can't handle himself, and uh, because he's such a fiery competitor, and so there could be a scenario that he gets ejected, and there could be a scenario that two things happen. The Warriors suddenly miss him because of all the fiery intensity that he has, or they feed off of it. Keep in mind, Bernie, he got ejected in the Grizzlies series uh, in the second round, and you thought, okay, the Warriors are really in trouble. But the Warriors felt like he got screwed over and then just really decided to buckle down and it almost became a rallying cry. So... It's very unpredictable with Draymond Green, both for better and for worse, but I think, if nothing else, uh, he's not going to be a no-show like he was for most of games three and four.
3: Wrapping it up with Mark Medina. Mark, final question. These two teams have been trading blows. They're 2-2. It seems like the Warriors, it feels like, given their talent and their experience, they shouldn't falter at home Monday night, but Boston's pesky. Gun to your head. Who do you like?
5: Yeah, it's tough. A gun to my head, I'll take the Warriors, but look, I don't feel comfortable enough that I would go to Vegas and put some money down because this has been a competitive series. The Celtics overall have actually been a better road team in the playoffs than at home, so I think all things uh, can happen, but Again, have to make a prediction with a gun in my head. I think that the Warriors can continue to obviously rely on Steph Curry's brilliance, but I think they're they're really going to tap into their defensive intensity, the home crowd, and know that, hey, they already blew home court advantage in game one, so they're not going to do that again in game five.
3: Those are are kind of my sentiments as well, but to your point, I'm not laying the four points. Mark, great stuff as always. Enjoy your time in San Francisco. I appreciate you, sir. Thanks so much. That's Mark Medina. He's uh, written for multiple modalities in the NBA. He's our NBA guru here at Fox Sports Radio. you hear him all around the network. Coming up, we got Mackinac Sports from the Kenzie Rivers. But first, let's go to the man. Well, he actually turned down a chance to play in the Liv Tour because he's dating Liv Tyler. It's Brian Finley with the latest. Let's jump right into it
4: and let's start with the NHL where the Lightning are winners against the Rangers 2-1. And that is in a Game 6 Eastern Conference Final, meaning for the third straight season, Tampa is on to the Stanley Cup Final and they flick away the Rangers and send them home. Steven Stamkos, by the way, had two goals in the Game 6 on Saturday and the Stanley Cup Final will get going on Wednesday in Denver where the Lightning will take on the Avalanche. As far as Major League Baseball is concerned, the Mariners fight back in the end and a win thanks to a Dylan Moore walk-off base knock in the bottom of the ninth. So they take down the Red Sox 7-6. The Angels cross off the Mets 11-6. Two home runs from Mike Trout, one from Shohei Otani. The Rockies and Padres, they split a doubleheader. Colorado won the second part. The Giants avert the Dodgers 3-2. Clayton Kershaw on the bum for the first time in about a month. And he struggles in that he s- served up the L. The Yankees blank the Cubs 8-0. Two home runs for Aaron Judge. Both were solo home runs. But 24 jacks on the year for him, and that leads the majors. The Tigers hang on against the Blue Jays 3-1 as Toronto left 10 men on base. The Braves are winners of 10 straight. They got a grand slam and a win against the Pirates 10-4. The Marlins are victorious against the Astros five to one. Braxton Garrett on the bump for Miami. Five and two thirds innings, six hits, no earned runs. The Nationals beat the Brewers eight to six. Milwaukee has lost eight in a row. The Phillies have won nine in a row after taking down the Diamondbacks four to nothing. And the Cardinals got a walk-off home run from Tommy Edmond as they disgrace the Reds five to four. Speaking of golf, Rory McIlroy and Tony Finau share the lead at the PGA Tour's Canadian Open through three rounds. Both are at minus 11 a two-shot advantage live tour Charles Schwartzel earns just south of five million dollars after he wins the three-day event the inaugural live tour event which took place in England in a 48-man field Phil Mickelson finished 33rd and Schwartzel as we mentioned 4.75 million dollars for a week's worth of work with that let's get it back to our
3: man in Las Vegas Bernie Frato All right, thanks so much, Brian. And we bring you back out to Las Vegas. Let's go to Mackinac Sports, Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, Steph Curry is the name front and center in this playoff series so far. And you found an angle that can enable the betting market to profit. Yes, this
6: series is unlike any Steph Steph Curry series we have ever seen in multiple ways. And there's some conflicting trends because never before has Steph Curry's teammates played this poorly Yet, you could argue this is Steph Curry's best series of his career. Never has he played this well, and never have the Warriors lost when he's played anywhere close to this level. But let me go back to something I heard just a minute ago. Uh, Steph Curry's best game of his career. Okay, all right. 43 points and a win on the road. One of the loudest atmospheres that you know we've heard at Boston. One of the best statistical teams we've seen the last six months beating teams by about 15 points per game. I'm going to take it a step further. Yes, that was Steph Curry's best game. I'm going to say it might be up there with the game of the century. I mean, I got a list here. Players in the finals, because that's obviously, if you're going to be the, anything of the century, you have to be in the finals when it matters at least twice as much as any other point of the season. In the finals, most points in a win. Wasn't that long ago, Giannis set this record this century, 50 points to clinch it. 60 wins. Allen Iverson, one of my favorite games every year ever, had scored 48 points to beat the Lakers the one time they lost in 2001. And then Steph Curry. Steph Curry, 43 points in a finals win. It does not happen that often. But what's really interesting is the way that he's doing it. So. I want to get into damning damning with faint praise, which is uh, what I've heard all across the the media airwaves. Kendrick Perkins saying, yeah, this is the game that he needed on his resume, as if he hadn't scored 40 in the finals before, as if he hadn't scored 33, and then said, hey, Kendrick Perkins, why are you on the bench talking? You're not playing. I'm setting a record for most threes in a game. I want to go back to something that A.J. Hoffman said earlier this week when he said, hey, Jason Tatum isn't hurting the Boston Celtics with his play. Obviously he's only shooting 35% of the game. So before I go back to praising Steph Curry, let me ask you, do you think Jason Tatum is or not hurting the Boston Celtics with his play so far, you know, only scoring about 23 a game, eight assists, but not shooting well.
3: Well, I think we're off track McKenzie. Uh, I'm looking for the betting angle that you have on Steph Curry. And I think part of the reason is performance is so superb. He's not faced a defense like that. They placed Cleveland twice. So, uh, let's kind of move forward. What, do you, what is your betting angle on Steph Curry based on his performance?
6: The Warriors, they can't keep this up. I'm sorry, Steph Curry fans like myself. The fact that he's shooting 67% true shooting, 34 a game. We have to ask ourselves, what's more reliable? Is it the 14 data points we have with Steph Curry's teammates or with one shooter? And if one shooter regresses even a little bit to the mean, is already elite Hall of Fame level mean, and we have to look at these numbers at Steph Curry's teammates that we've never seen before. Scoring, Steph Curry's teammates are scoring 71 points per game. That's four points lower than they've ever scored before. You look at their f- field goal shooting, 43%, worse than any Steph Curry's team. He has the least support that he's ever had. It's kind of miraculous that it's 2-2 in this finals. And if you look at their team total, they've gone under. 105.5 is their average. They've gone under their team total each and every game, and yet there's been no adjustment. It's 108.5 and a half tomorrow or uh, on Monday. So it's been literally a historically excellent performance by one player, and then fourteen players are the Warriors' fall-
3: team total. You're
6: alluding, to? yeah, and then fourteen players are falling short. What's going to be more reliable? It's 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 only uh, logical to think that. Even as we get later into the series, and we've seen historically totals drop, combined scoring drop, Steph Curry... As excellent as he's been, how can he maintain it? And even if he does maintain it, we've seen three in a row, three times they've suited up, three times Vegas said this is how much they're supposed to score their team total. And they've gone under actually four times. I'm sorry, it's been four games in this series. Steph Curry's been excellent in all of them, and their offense has underperformed in all of them. Their offensive rating, 93 in the half court, would be bottom 10 percentile in the in this NBA season. That's like Detroit Pistons territory. So yeah, Boston Celtics setting records defensively. And here's another thing. Boston Celtics since January twenty fourth, fourteen and one straight up, thirteen and two against the spread, awful loss. Mm. And why is that? We talked about it on the show before. Mental sharpness, mental acuity staying focused to the game plan, which you know there are some Celtics and some Celtics teammates and coaches up right now almost midnight in San Francisco, thinking about this. And there's one number that really shows it. Turnovers per game. That's been their bugaboo. If you look at off wins in the playoffs, how do they do with turnovers per game? 16 turnovers per game would lead the league. Terrible numbers. Off losses that goes to 11 per game would be one of the best numbers in the league. Less turnovers. The Warriors have had a great, great, great transition offense. That's what Steph Curry does. He's an instant three-point transition, number one in the NBA would be 123 offensive rating. When they're in transition, they're not going to be in transition as much if the Celtics would do what they do off a loss, which is not turn the ball over. And again, in the half court, they'd have a bottom 10, par- 10 percentile offense. This Warriors team, even with Steph, shooting as well as he is. So that's why I think there's a lot of reasons. It makes a lot of sense. My team total best bet is under the Warriors 108.5. What do you think about that, Bernie?
3: I'd have to analyze it more. It's going to be dependent on um, on how effective Boston swarms and blitzes Steph Curry. And if, in fact, the other thing, too, of course, is if, in fact, that Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins uh, can make up the slack. So we'll see what happens. Okay, Mackenzie, very good. Thank you. Uh, the, All right. The, come- one uh- Sorry, one
6: more thing is that Steph Curry's taking a second longer per touch. Wanted to get that stat in there in this finals than he ever has before. I think the way he's playing, it's one-on-one, and it's amazing to watch.
3: Very good. All right, thanks so much, McKenzie. Coming up, we're going to talk about the week Deshaun Watson had. What did that do to affect the Browns and their futures numbers heading forward? Which famous athlete placed a $100,000 bet, lost, and the book refunded his money anyway. That plus a few things more, we're bringing you back out to Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted to. Don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight
2: Out of Vegas!
3: One of the best in the business.
2: Go to TireRack.com slash sports to see their Vredestein test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers.
1: Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
7: Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: I'm straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frater coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley on the updates, and the new father, Bo Benson. Great job tonight, guys. Could not do this show without your teamwork. All right, busy week in the world of Vegas stuff. You might be interested in this story that happened. It actually happened last year, but it came to light this week. One of the favorite events for athletes and luminaries is the Celebrity Golf Tournament in Lake Tahoe, which is coming up here in a couple of weeks. And last year, a guy by the name of Charles Barkley, may have heard of him, placed a $100,000 bet on himself to finish in the top 70 of the Celebrity Golf Tournament. That, again... Is held in Lake Tahoe, Department of Redundancy Department. There were 76 players in the pool. Barkley finished in a tie for 76. But he said the sports book refunded his losing wager because, due to a Nevada state regulation, it prohibits customers from betting on an event in which they participate. So, actually, Barkley was disappointed when his 100,000 bet, which lost at least you know, last year's Celebrity Golf Tournament was refunded due to the gaming regulation. because, he hey, what if he'd have won, right? But he didn't. So, Charles Barkley being the the uh, conniving uh, height, you know, a, a matcap individual that he is, he said he's planning to bet on himself again at this year's tournament, which again is coming up in early July. But he said, when he was reminded of the regulation prohibiting it, prohibiting it he said, I'm going to give some money to one of my friends and have him bet on me. So there you have it. We'll look for someone... In disguises, heading into the Reno Sportsbook. All right, Deshaun Watson had a big week, if you can call it that. Uh, we're going to get into this heavily here uh, later later in the evening. Uh, but what did it do to affect the Cleveland Browns betting futures? Well, frankly, it did a lot. Uh, I'm calling it the Deshaun Watson effect. Now, the Browns were favorites to make the playoffs before Browns before this whole debacle continues to continue spiraling downward. Now the Browns, if you want to bet the Browns just to make the playoffs, it's plus 265. That doesn't bode well in terms of those odds. That's that's leading you to believe they have less than a 50-50 percent chance, obviously, to do it. So that is happening because the betting markets are shifting, and they're shifting because there's great uncertainty as to what the 20 22 season is going to look like for Deshaun Watson as such before when the over under win totals were posted back in April Cleveland opened up at eight and a half and they were shaded minus 140 meaning that they were a favorite to go over that to get that ninth win you had to lay 140 to win 100 it's flipped now the total is a straight eight minus 40 minus 140 shaded to the under which now means if you want to believe, eight's a free roll, all right? But if you're betting the over, no, actually it's not. Actually, it is, yes. If you're betting the over, eight's a free roll. Uh, but if you're betting the under, you get to eight, you can't win, you can only lose. So you're betting on the Browns to be seven and 10. If you want that action, you currently have to lay minus 140. And by the way, not for nothing, just to win the division, okay? The Browns went from plus 185 to plus 230 to win the AFC north what does that mean? Well, Cincinnati is the favorite to win the AFC North they're plus 200, which means 100 to bring back 200 and Baltimore went from plus 210 to plus 175, which means they have leapfrogged Cleveland. so Cincinnati is now the favorite to win the AFC north. Baltimore's favorite to win a finish second, and Cleveland is now a distant third that's what. the deshaun watson effect has been on the betting markets stay tuned the belief is it could get worse before it gets better we'll talk about it at length a little bit later in the show one of the great traditions here in las vegas is on memorial day week and a couple of the sports books south point and golden nugget they post betting lines on what they call the college football games of the year they select 99 college football games of the year and they put them on the board. And based on those opening lines, you can sure bet that the sharp bettors promptly show up in droves and pound these numbers. As a matter of fact, the sportsbook director, Chris Andrews, said that the action at the South Point was, quote, 100% sharp. The sharp money, you hear that term a lot, it's the respected money, okay? And with that respected money can cause a sportsbook to move the line based on who's making the bet and of those 99 games 30 of the lines moved by at least two points and nine lines by four points or more some of the big movers alabama opened up minus 12 at texas they're now up to minus 16 iowa opened up laying 13 at iowa state or check that versus iowa state they're now down to minus seven virginia tech moved Five points. Their game, September 22nd against West Virginia. They went from minus eight to minus three. Here's another big mover, the in-state rival, Brigham Young and Utah. Brigham Young was laying 24. They're now down to 19. But the one the pros loved that jumped on immediately, Air Force, October 1st, they're laying 19 points. They're now laying 12. Yes, the Sharps, the pros moved that line Seven points. Another big game in SEC action. Alabama visits Tennessee on October 15th. The game opened up and Alabama laying six and a half. They're now minus 10 and a half. Another game. Notre Dame hosts Stanford in mid-October. They were laying 20. They're down to 15 and a half. And Utah hosting USC and Lincoln Riley. Get this. Utah was laying 12. That was the opening line. Pros wasted no time pounding that. If you want Utah now... They're down to minus 7. If you want USC, you waited too long, most likely, unless you think there's value at 7. Some of the other games, look, the pros, as I mentioned, they loved Navy plus 19. They're playing Air Force October 1st. Within an hour, that line was down to minus 12, and then that was the biggest line move on the board. The second favorite bet, as I mentioned, Iowa State plus 13 over Iowa September 10th. Iowa was quickly bet down. To minus seven. We're going to talk about this much more, obviously, in future shows and college football. But it is that time of the year. In the meantime, that's going to do it for Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. But don't go anywhere, keep it locked. Coming up, we've got three more hours. Do not touch that dial. This is Bernie Frato. You're heading into Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Straight Out of Vegas!
2: They have over 30 hotels in the best college towns. And get this, they'll give you up to 30% off your stay with code CRSHOW. That's C-R-S-H-O-W. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book today at graduatehotels.com.
0: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more...